Very nice. Very nice. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce my friend, the Reverend Dr. Karen Tate. That gave me goosebumps. So I want to thank Reverend Marsha and Reverend Mike and Emerson for having me back here today. It's interesting that the last time I was here was a few years ago on summer solstice and Father's Day. So interesting synchronicity. And happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. Well, um, I'm excited to be able to talk to you today about one of the fastest growing spiritualities on the planet. Statistics show that interest in reverence in the sacred feminine is growing by leaps and bounds. And today I'd like to tell you why the divine feminine isn't just God in drag or patriarchy in a skirt, as they say, as we look through the lens of summer solstice, the archetype of fire, and the two sun goddesses, the Shinto Amaterasu and the Egyptian lion-headed goddess Sekhmet. But let's start with the wheel of the year, which has once again turned to summer solstice, make, marking today uh, as the day that the sun reaches its highest position in the sky, as seen from the north and south poles. It's one day of the year when we have the longest period of light. It's considered the birthday of the sun, that fiery ball, without which there would be no life on the planet. Knowing things like that were very important to our ancestors who were closer to the earth. They relied on their experience of the turning of the seasons to plant and harvest so they could survive. The wheel of the year was their calendar. It kept them closely connected to earth, our mother, who provides all we need to sustain ourselves. Today, the calendar doesn't mean quite so much to the average person. We can go in the grocery store and pick up vegetables and meat 365 days a year, and most of us don't even think much about where it comes from. In our technological world, the calendar does little more than tell us when we have birthdays and holidays and when Black Friday rolls around again. But today, let's think a little bit like pagans, or goddess advocates, as I like to call some of us. Let's delve into that fireball, the sun, not just scientifically, but in metaphor and as an archetype. When was the last time you really thought about the power of fire? Unless it was to hear news that there was another wildfire somewhere here in California. So let me read just a short passage from my book, Walking an Ancient Path, about fire. Fire, creative and destructive, and perhaps the most potentially volatile of the elements, hails from the south. It's the heat that stokes our passion and sexuality and arouses our will. It is the catalyst for growth and transformation. Experiencing the fire within, we are transmuted and we affect factors outside ourselves like falling dominoes, triggering, sparking, activating, and inciting further change. With fire, we take flight, we purify, we morph, we explode onto the world and transition from one thing to another. Unlike the other elements, fire does not exist in a natural state. It takes physical form by overtaking or consuming the other elements. Thus, it is the master transformer. 
It is affected by the other three substances of, in elements and vice versa. Alone, fire or the sun creates heat or temperature, but add air and the planet has weather. Add wind to a small flame and you might create a firestorm. Add fire to oxygen and you have an explosion. When certain elements of the earth mix with flame, we create bronze, iron, or copper instruments, weaponry, or jewelry. Lasers come to mind as coming from a form of fire, as well as electricity or solar power. Add the rays of the sun to growing things, and photosynthesis occurs. With too much heat and not enough water, dehydration and withering occurs. Add, add water to fire, and we get steam. Combustion. Scientists say the ultimate fiery explosion, the Big Bang, spewed forth the planets of the universe. Add the warmth of heat to food, and we have cooking. Mix fire with potions, and we create medicine. Ancient alchemists were believed to be able to apply fire to base metals, and they thought they created gold. Campfires and flames of the hearth ward off darkness and keep us cozy and warm. Anyone who has sat around a campfire or by a crackling hearth knows the trance-like state wildfire or lava is known to have its positive benefits of purifying and cleansing, making way for new growth. Fire's active and protective nature gives us the strength and endurance, passion, and will to grow and change and enables us to stand in our truth and integrity and face adversity. It enables us to, uh, to find uh, that fire within to find our sacred roar. It is about fashioning the tools of trust, faith, and prayer to help us in times of need. It is about standing firm, when our abilities and beliefs are tested. It is about maneuvering the treacherous gauntlet of politics. Fire helps us burn away fear and self-doubt. We emerge from the cauldron, steeled, liberated, and empowered. We have all heard of trials by fire. Life sometimes throws us those tests, and how we respond is the measure of who we are. Fire demands we stand up and be counted and help lead the way. Goddess spirituality provides a toolbox of practices to help us understand fire, to harness it and make the powerful element our friend. We can use the archetype of fire, working with the aspects associated with fire's sacred symbols, or individual goddesses such as Amaterasu or Sekhmet or Bridget to positively affect ourselves on the inner planes and in our psyches. Using these tools, we can break bad habits or cleanse ourselves of dis-ease. We can further work with fire as a symbol for authority, leadership, and self-empowerment. The Celtic Bridget or Saint Bridget to Christians is a great fire goddess. We call on her in January usually as we await the coming fire and light to make our resolutions. She's both a fire goddess and her sacred realms are the healing waters. So think about it. What do you get when you mix her aspects of fire and water? 
As I said, you get steam. It's not a coincidence that steam propels your resolutions forward to fruition at the beginning of the year when we're all doing our resolutions. Bridget, she is the great motivator. But today, we're going to focus more on two other sun goddesses, perhaps a little less known. First, I'd like to tell you about the Shinto sun goddess, Amaterasu from Japan. Today, the Shinto in Japan still worship her at many of her many shrines, and her symbol, the sun, is on their country's flag. One thing I find very interesting about Amaterasu, the Japanese goddess, is her myth is similar to the Greek Demeter. Like Demeter, her sorrow, in her sorrow, Amaterasu withdrew from the world, and with her departure, the world withered. It became barren, and there was widespread famine. Similar to Demeter, one of the goddess's counterparts, by the name of Izumi, was trying to pull Amaterasu from her grief and despair with a dance. But this wasn't just any dance. I'll share an excerpt from a reading I gave to my congregation on Sacred Sundays. Legend has it, Amaterasu peeked out from the cave, her curiosity aroused by the laughter and clapping inspired by Uzumi's dance. But this wasn't just any dance. You see, like Baobo, Uzumi was lifting her skirts, a nice euphemism for showing her genitals, or yoni. Why, you might ask? Well, on the exoteric level, it might seem funny or lewd to watch someone dance an erotic dance or a striptease, if you will, using our vernacular. But I can't forget the woman on stage popping ping pong balls from her yoni in the movie Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. The curious Japanese men holding their mini flashlights hoping to get a glimpse of the yoni of female performers spreading their knees on stage in Japan. The yoni then and now holds great power in mystery. These stories of the dances of Demeter's Baobo and Amaterasu's Uzumi aren't meant to be lewd, however. They are, in fact, meant to be sacred. They are from a pre-Christian time when procreation and sexual union were still considered sacred and sex had not yet become something shameful or taboo. A woman's body held the mysteries of the cycles of life and death. You might recall those sacred statues in museums highlighting the pubic triangle, that part of the woman's body known to be the gateway or threshold of fertility and new life until Christianity turned what was normal and natural and sacred on its head. Balbo and Uzumi's yoni dances were the catalyst jump-starting Demeter and Amaterasu to once again spark new life. Think about the last time you really had a belly laugh. Did you not feel alive and vital? Seeing the dances of their counterparts brought Amaterasu and Demeter such joy that life was rekindled. Vegetation sprang forth once more and humanity could once again eat and sustain itself. People and creatures could survive and not starve. 
In the story of Amaterasu, it is also said that she peeked from the cave to look upon Uzumi's dance, and she caught sight of her own image in a bronze mirror. And as she became dazzled by her own radiance, light and fertility were restored to the world. Some scholars believe the myth reflects the regenerative force. It is the power and awe inspired by the yoni across cultures as a catalyst for creation, change, healing, or protection. Let us remember also that women as life givers were associated with goddess herself, the creatrix of the world and everything in the universe. Life springs forth from women's bodies and women bleed without dying. This was very powerful magic in those days. Simply put, without the yonis in these stories, without the yonis in our stories, life ceases to exist. Specific to the sun goddess Amaterasu and in many other spiritual traditions, as well as in science and nature, there is usually no life without life. So I think you're beginning to see the values and beliefs of goddess spirituality are hardly god in drag or patriarchy in a skirt. They suggest, among other things, a world of interconnection where women control their own bodies and where there's female leadership, a reverence for life and sacred sexuality. Things that got swept beneath the rug as Abrahamic religions engulfed the world. But let me close with Sekhmet, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess. If you've heard anything at all about Sekhmet, it's probably a patriarchal myth where Sekhmet is little more than a mercenary destroying a misbehaving humanity at the direction of her father, the sun god Ra. Well, we believe this patriarchal myth is designed to encourage a distrust of women by men and for women to fear their own power. Sekhmet is certainly no mercenary and not just a sun goddess either, but a mother goddess and a healer goddess. She's also a remover of obstacles and we've dubbed her the Lady of Tenacity Manifested among all her other dozens of glorious and powerful names. Her son is Mahes, the patron of doctors. Her consort, Ta, is the builder god. Today, Sekhmet is an archetype for empowerment, especially women. She teaches women to say no without guilt, to set healthy boundaries, to have strength, determination, courage, and to lean in. She's courageous and independent. She's also playful. And like the mother lioness who hunts with her pride to feed themselves and their families, she represents female partnership and solidarity. As the sun, which can be life-giving or withering without proper care, she teaches all of us discernment. When we are within her embrace, we feel secure and safe, yet enabled and capable. We say a woman or man who embodies Sekhmet has found their sacred roar. You might like to know that Sekhmet 
temple and sacred compound that stands in Indian Springs outside Las Vegas exists today because a woman in the goddess spirituality community went to Egypt where she discovered Sepmet for the first time. And when she learned of her reputation as a healer and mother, she prayed to Sepmet to become pregnant after many years of being unsuccessful. She promised Sepmet if she became pregnant, she'd build her a temple. Well, you can probably guess the woman's prayers were heard and answered. Her name is Genevieve Vaughn. Yes, she's a real woman, and she became pregnant not once, but thrice with three daughters, and Genevieve kept her promise to Sekhmet, so today women and men enjoy her wonderful, ecologically built temple and spiritual center, where they practice not capitalist economics, but a gift-giving economic model. And if you'd like to visit Sekhmet a bit closer to home, please check out the Goddess Temple of Orange County in Irvine where there's a larger-than-life-size statue of Sekhmet on her four-foot-tall pyramid throne in their sanctuary. The Goddess Temple, open to all genders, has been in Orange County for a decade now, alongside the new Goddess Museum of History and Culture. I think, again, you see Goddess spirituality diverges from patriarchal religions. We see the need for no intermediary to access the divine. We don't see ourselves as lambs or sheep. Women need not fear female genital mutilation, being devalued and relegated to second class, have their time valued at 80 cents on the dollar, nor are they left with only the beloved, but rather passive and docile image of Mary as their only role model. Instead, we have goddesses like Kali and Artemis, who the male gods called upon to fight evil when they needed help. We have Isis, whose spirituality offered salvation to humankind long before Christianity co-opted that idea, leaving the scholar R.E. Witt, author of Isis in the Ancient World, to remark that Isis worship was so popular Christianity had quite a job dethroning her in the hearts and minds across continents. You see, by her many names and faces across continents and cultures, Goddess teaches us tolerance and the importance of diversity and plurality. The great she, Goddess, is called she of 10,000 names, including Amaterasu and Sekhmet, just two of her many facets who we salute today as we remember the relevance of having fire in our lives. And goddess advocates believe some of the qualities and ideals presented today offer a roadmap for a new normal, leading us to a more sustainable, just, equal, and peaceful society. So thank you for being here and listening. Thank you for inviting me to be with you. I'll be available later if you'd like to chat about anything we discussed. And there's also a Goddess Spirit Rising conference happening in Simi Valley in September. I'll be happy to tell you all about that. So thank you very much.